this week's episode is coming to you right after the Sabres game, so there's uh, a little bit of uh, YOLO winging it going on here today. Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. How do you like them apples, Gilmore? And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Ouch. You're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for February 15th, 2016, which I want to think I've probably said 2015 the last couple of shows. Oh, well. Coming up on the show, um, it's been a little bit rough, despite the Avalanche winning games until when things were less rough and they weren't winning games. But before we play the whoosh, um, I need to introduce our other disembodied voice for the week, which is Ryan Murphy. How are you doing? Good. Then let's just get right down to it. On Tuesday, we started off the week with a game against the struggling Vancouver Canucks, and the Avalanche struggled harder than the Vancouver Canucks, falling 3-1 at home. Um, this game was not a whole lot of fun to watch at all. Uh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Just not great. Not great in any way, shape, or form. You know, there's going to be a couple stinkers every year, and uh, the Avalanche case sometimes more than a couple, but this was definitely qualifies as one of them. Not fun. Francois Beauchemin, your lone goal scorer. Um, just a bomb, if I remember right. From the point. Yeah. And then they followed that up with a road trip through the Floreth Division. Um, not everybody, but a few teams beginning on Thursday with a 4-3 victory over the Ottawa Senators with literally every goal in that game being scored at some strange level of player strength. Um, you had... Jerome McGinn on the power play, Nathan McKinnon on the power play, Jerome McGinn on the power play, Mark Stone on the power play, Mike Hoffman on the power play, Blake Como into an empty net, Chris Neal with an empty net. <laughs> so your final yeah. even strength score is 0-0. Zero, zero. They're still playing. 5-on-5 <laughs> five five hockey somewhere. Some say they're still playing to this day. Um, this was probably uh, not necessarily the best avalanche effort of the year. As well, uh, yet effective power play, and you got to win games a number of different ways, and that's uh, a new one. I would have liked to see it come along with an effective penalty kill, but was not to be. <laughs> Just one of those games, but when you're three for three on your first three power plays. I mean, that's a good start to your game. Yeah, they did all right in the first period. Um, they actually came away with a 13-shot first period, which is not bad at all. But the third period kind of washed a lot of that away. But, I mean, we've seen that with this team, you know, more than once. That they Once they get the lead late in the game, they're just going to try to not give up the lead as opposed to, you know, trying to grow it or, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, I was listening to the radio against the game, for the game you're talking about next, and there was a pretty revealing quote during intermission that Mosier gave to everybody and you know he's listening to coach Wad and was listening to varley and in the locker room he's saying get out of my way you know get out of my shooting lanes i'll make the stop and uh i think it's their strategy it is a strategy they're employing yeah um but i mean that is completely apart from the part where they are 
giving up those shots in the first place that they have to get out of the way of. Right. And not committing to playing offense anymore. Exactly. <laughs> or controlling the puck on the other end or taking shots themselves. So, And you see this on the Avalanche penalty kill a lot as well, especially in this Ottawa game where they just play passively and reactively. They don't really push the puck carrier. It's just like... Well, I'll stand in front of this guy now. And, well, he got rid of it. Well, let's go stand in front of this guy now. Well, let's clarify, too. These reactions are not uh, controlled. They're not uh, intelligent. They're panicky. You know, they're uh, they're scared. You know, they're flipping the puck out of the zone at, any, at their first opportunity, you know, before looking for a pass, before anybody's even on them, <laughs> forcing them to make the pass. So... They've gone through stretches this year where they've been playing defense like this, and I think we're lucky to have seen a win in a game like Vancouver, or uh, I'm sorry, Ottawa. Yeah, and it's, they just, they're chasing the play a lot, and that continued in a big way. The very next day on Friday was as Colorado traveled to Detroit and won somehow in the shootout 3-2 to two, despite being outshot. <coughs> <coughs> Forty-five to, to ah, oh, twenty-one. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> yeah. So yeah. Matt Duchesne, Blake Como scored in regulation for the Avs, and then your uh, overtime winners come from McKinnon and Como again. Right. Which was honestly, this was one of Blake Como's better weeks until today. I mean, yeah, man, he's he's been playing well. I think he was a lone bright spot in a couple of these games, and he's probably single-handedly saved the Avalanche in the Red Wings game, so I, you know, I, I think he's playing well, in a role that's probably uh, over his head. Let's not take anything away from Mr. 44 saves, 43 saves, rather. Right. Uh, the goalie was effective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I Give credit to Blake Como. He's playing a second line role, and he probably should be on the third line on most teams in this league. And I think he's performed admirably for the Avalanche most of the time this season. I mean, that's exactly what they wanted out of that free agent signing. Well, I think he does okay. And then he, ha he every once in a while, he has just a real ugly game that he takes an offensive zone penalty early on, and it's downhill from there. And then every once in a while, he has a decent one, like the one against Detroit, where he's kind of all over the place and. He gets set up by uh, by his line mates to make stuff happen. Yep, and I'm not even going to complain about the offensive zone penalty as often as some people will. I, I know it's a no-no, but it's because he forechecks hard, and he's being aggressive at the puck in that end, and I don't mind that. I think the Avalanche need more of it. We've also seen in these last couple of games uh, a line combination that a lot of us have asked for, along with a line combination... That none of us have asked for. Um, this was the beginning. These last the Ottawa and Detroit games were the beginning of um, Mikhail Grigorenko joining Matt Duchesne on a top line. It was also the beginning of the McKinnon McLeod Tange line. Uh, who thought that one up? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Wall lost a bet. Uh, maybe. I mean, it's 
McKinnon, who's been struggling to actually get a shot through a goaltender again recently. For some reason, his percentage has been pretty pretty much in the toilet for the last few weeks. Um, along with a guy who really has no business in a scoring role, and a guy who really just doesn't have it anymore. So, um, <laughs> what's that line supposed to do exactly? I don't know. I mean, the, the theories they're spreading out their scoring, and I, I still don't agree with it. Yeah, I think when the Avalanche are playing as well as they can, they've got some pr- pretty clearly defined roles for their lines. And Cody McLeod's good at what he does. He's a good fourth line left wing who punches faces and four checks. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm good with having that type of player on the team, but not playing alongside Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I mean, it's, it goes back to something that AJ said on one of our podcasts much earlier this season. Is go ahead and stack your scoring on one line and make them stop you. Right. And then play them 20, 22 minutes a game. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do. These guys are 20 to 24 years old. You know, you're not saving their legs for late in the season. They got them. Of course, that's uh, not... That's, uh... I'm looking still at the box score from the Detroit game, and I see uh, F. Boschman. Let's go all the way to the TOI. 27-58. So <laughs> Not sustainable. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I wonder if that's part of the reason that the Avalanche play has begun to fall off recently as well. Um, is Eric Johnson clearly still not quite 100% from his injury, plus... Uh, Boschman being used as much as he has over the season, it's we've seen him fall off from that before. Right. And a lot of that right now is Boschman's getting a lot of time with the power play, and he's okay in that role. Um, I think he's not Tyson Berry necessarily, but, uh, you know, he could man the second unit. I'm good with that. Um, the other thing I kind of wanted to mention along those lines, uh, what we've been talking about is we keep splitting up McKinnon and Duchesne and Grigorenko and every permutation of that, every combination of that. But one thing we haven't broken up is that second line. And I'm starting to wondering if that's becoming a problem too. You know, if that's getting stale. Um, I don't think that I would say that. Um, because Soderberg has been really good. And... A lot of that has been this this kind of soda scog combination, right? But I wonder if uh, by being so adamant about keeping that line together, you're limiting the possibilities of making other line combinations. And I think Soderberg would play well with anybody right now. That's probably true. He's he's playing a really good hockey at the at the moment. Um, and I you can probably plug in a number of different guys for Blake Como, but the. Uh, the Landeskog-Soderberg pairing, I would really not break up right now. Yep. You know, it's uh, tough. But if you're looking to juggle your lines, I, I mean, I think it's something you consider and then not do, at least. But I don't think they even consider it. Well, anyway, let's finish up our games for the week. Um, this morning, slash afternoon, depending on where you're at, um, Avs lose 4-1 in Buffalo to the Buffalo Sabres. Simeon Varlamov gives up two goals in five minutes and gets the yank. That was probably his uh, best performance so far. Zero saves on two shots. One of them a floater from the blue line. Just... 
Yeah. You know, Peter McNabb kind of mentioned in the broadcast that he's never seen a healthy goalie pulled that quickly before. I'm not sure I have. He, when you give up two goals on two shots and one of them is that Evander Kane goal, and that's just, okay, you're not tracking the puck today. Nope. <laughs> Next. You know, the first one, fine. That's a great shot by Jack Eichel, who could be Rookie of the Year this year. And, uh, you know, it's through Tyson Berry's legs right on the ice. I mean, that's just a perfect early shot on goal in a hockey game. It was, so, a, good, it was a good play and a good shot. And, yeah. You know, a good unassisted, player. too. What are you going to do? I mean, unassisted. I mean, walked it all the way up. I mean, it, the, the breakdown during intermission was great. Rycroft... You know, shows four guys missing Eichel on that play. Four of them. I mean, uh, everybody whiffs. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was a hell of a play by him and really, really poor team defense behind it. So, Right. Oh, well. But, you know, give up an early goal, fine. But uh, the Avalanche got down three early goals, uh, fortunately two of them by Varlamov. But even the Pickard's first one, I mean, that that's a prayer. You know, that's a Hail Mary from the point. You know, I hate it when those go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, those, I, some of those just can't go. Uh, but the the Kane goal was the worst of those. Absolutely. And uh, well, I made the right decision early on. Get Pickard in there. Give Varlamov four almost entire days off. I mean, you need him back. You need him healthy. You need him in good shape to play like you did the last two games. Yep. Um... But Colorado overall did not play that badly today, In which fact, is why I'm very annoyed <laughs> that we're sitting Twitter on fire here. Right. You know, I think this is the best game they played this week, uh, offensively. I mean, uh, oh, not a doubt. They played three garbage games this week, and this one was not. And this one was pretty good. Granted, they're playing a bad team, but uh, it was the best they've played on offense, and nothing went in. I mean, sometimes you got to take your hat off to the goalie. Uh, Leonard stopped everything today except for one great Mikhail Gregorenko pass to Eric Johnson up the ice. Uh, there's nothing he could do there. I mean, everything else he got in front of. Yeah, you could feel this one coming early on. Um, the, Leonard was on his game, and that was just going to be that, you know. It, it was early. I mean, didn't he, you know lay out and stop Nathan Kinnon's shot that was pretty much wide open. Yes. Uh, uh, early on. And he didn't just get it either. He got like his full arm on it. And you're like, all right, this dude's locked in. Yeah, that was foreboding. And there there was more than one person that immediately responded to that with, all right, well, this is going to be, you know, rough. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be tough to get one past this guy today. And well, yeah. AJ called a 35 save shutout. <laughs> <laughs> that was close. And he got 34 of 35, so, hey. Close, AJ. Almost, buddy. Yeah. Merrick um, Johnson, the goal scorer, as Ryan may have just mentioned. Um, but no, uh, let's, we also, uh, unfortunately, gave up two assists to Ryan O'Reilly and Mikhail Grigorenko only got one, so Avalanche lose the trade today. Uh, again? Yeah. yeah. Was losing that trade. Yeah, um, they won it a couple of times and they've lost it a couple of times. So I think it's reasonably even right now. I should keep some stats on that. Yeah, <laughs> see who ends up actually with the most trade wins and losses. 
after the game, the Sabres treat, tweeted out like a, a just a little uh, short clip of Ryan O'Reilly drinking coffee, and I was like, "That's <sighs> that's clever." Yeah, somebody send them <laughs> back the standings. <laughs> yeah, I think that was uh, DNFTO that did that. Oh, thank you. All right. Do not feed the octopus. I think he has the full name out on Mile High. Yep. Props, man. Somebody needed to do that. Yeah. Thank you. But I mean, Pickard uh, comes in and plays 55 minutes and only has to make eight, only has to face 18 shots. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, it was good team defense too, but even better offense. I mean, Avs had him pinned back that entire second period, yes. most of the third. They had uh, several shifts where they got multiple looks at the net, and that's just not what we've been seeing lately. They were getting changes in in the middle of shifts. What we usually see this team do is come in the zone, maybe get a shot, and then they're hustling back so they don't get burned because they've got so much, you know, slowness on their back end still. And then give up an extended shift, clear it, have to deal with the zone entry again, and then back the other way, one-ish chance, back on defense. Yep, you're almost giving up uh, two shot opportunities for every one of yours. Right, and they went the other way today. And I think it was Cole, maybe, Cole Hamilton of BSN, who second period said, hey, as fans, this is what every other team feels like playing against you these days. <laughs> I saw that myself. Uh, that was uh, very appropriate. It's just a, just a rough one all around where, I mean, the, the team's not playing that badly. We got McLeod off the top line, and that helped. Um, did. We're line juggling a lot more today. Yeah, the the lines were very fluid, to say the least. It was just, <clears throat> it was one of those games where, I mean, and I don't even feel like the Avs had a whole lot today. Like, they played well. No, I mean, Grant, it's the last game of a three-game road trip uh, on the East Coast, after a back-to-back on Thursday and Friday and playing at 10.30 in the morning, uh, this is a game that's set up to lose. That's yeah, 12.30 local, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 10.30 to their internal body clock. Right. Mine too. It's... Anyway. <laughs> you know, if you're going to lose a game, fine, lose that one. Uh, get four points on that road trip. Uh, I think that's the most we could ask for, especially considering how poorly they've been playing. Yeah, they they definitely did not deserve any of the points they got, and uh, but they did deserve a couple that they didn't get today. So things things even out, you know. Yep. And uh, as uh, as we know, goaltending matters, and it definitely did today. It did, and I think once again, Calvin Pickard's demonstrated that he is a more than capable backup goalie. And I wish Patrick Waugh would stop having these reservations about playing him. Uh, on games like today <laughs> yeah I mean, today is the type of game you play your backup goaltender i mean it's not a division game it's on a road trip <laughs> and it's a weird start time after a back-to-back the previous 24 hours so go for it man play your backup goaltender in the shootout varlamov does kind of like to uh you know posture a little bit after he makes saves like he kind of holds his arms out at a funny angle and spins in a circle. He's got this weird little routine he does. Um, yeah. But there was a couple of saves that he made in that shootout where he was just kind of like he had to really stretch out for them, and then he was pretty slow to uh, get back up from them. Like you could tell that he was he was starting to feel it a little bit. 
yeah, I mean, there's some people speculating that he may have been kind of injured in some former fashion. And Patrick Wall was asked that after the game, and you know, uh, both of them said that he wasn't injured. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't just jump to say injury, but tired. Yeah, Amp, tired, something. I mean, yeah. And now, 36 hours later, you're getting the start. Yeah, don't do it. I mean, it's too long of a season, and you need him for the division games. You need him healthy. And uh, beating Buffalo, you should beat Buffalo because Buffalo is bad. But you can do it with your backup goalie. Calvin Pickard's proven himself this year more than capable. There's just, yeah, there's especially with how well Pickard has shown he can play at this level, there's just not a good reason to play Varley three times in three and a half days. Right. And all you need Picker to do is stop one more of those goals. I mean, if it's two to one going in the third period, you've got a chance to win or be in the game. And, uh, you know, you just didn't have much of a chance today getting down, you know, three goals early. Yeah. That, I mean, that Kane goal is inexcusable. And, I mean, as good as the equal play and shot was, it's still savable. Right. I mean, if he's down the I. His legs are working the way they should be. He makes that save nine out of ten times. Yeah. So hopefully it's just uh, just one of those days where you're you tell your coach you're ready to go, but that's because you're an NHL goalie and that's what you do. But really, you're just beat. You're exhausted. Yep. Uh, lessons learned. I mean, I think Patrick Wad notices these things. So perhaps it's uh, another coaching experience today gained. Yeah. Well, I mean, eh. Hard to hard to float too much about it. But like you said, that is just a jillion games in basically no time. <laughs> it is. And it's been a lot of games since, you know, January one, too. We were talking about this before we came on. I mean yeah. they've been playing almost every other day and Varlamov's getting the brunt of it. Yeah, starting in on the thirty first of December, they played every other day throughout January, except for a stretch where they played Four games in six days were two of were with two sets of back to backs, um, and then in February that continued, except for the two days off last weekend, followed by this back to back this week. Um, so I mean, as we've seen the team just slowly do worse and worse, and they're playing better opponents that are playing better against them than they had earlier in the year, like the Dallas games come to mind, um, and. Just kind of those kinds of games where you're getting beaten worse than you're used to getting beaten, and where maybe the goaltending wears out on you against Buffalo today. That's going to change real soon, because for the rest of the month, Colorado has two days off game, two days off back to back, two days off game, two days off game, two days off. So you know, two days off is important. You get good practice practices in on two days off. You're exactly. not trying to squeeze it in the morning, you know. You're uh, you're getting to work on things. You're getting to try out new line combinations. You're getting to try to employ new strategies. It's these are important, and uh, you know, the other teams in the division are going to be playing more t- games right now. They're going to be catching up to the Abs, and uh, they need to use this time just to get better and get healthy. There's been very little time to work on the issues that may be popping up because you're spinning those practices taking it easy trying to rest up because you play tomorrow so yep and not totally off topic but it also gives you the opportunity to look at the roster and some of the problems you have with it at the moment 
not necessarily with the people you're starting on the ice, but, uh, you know, get some of the reserves more balanced and, you know, get some people on the team that might be able to contribute, you know, uh, unlike in Andrew Bodnerchuk. Yeah. Uh, or especially in Nate Gennon, who has been waived for the second time uh, this week. Right. He's essentially just a practice defenseman at this point because they haven't sent him down. Um, but right. I, I was confused by this and uh, the, the MHH podcast learning about how waivers work continues today mm-hmm. <laughs> as we're just like, okay, um, it turns out that if you waive a guy, you can send him down for 30 days. And it's been 30 days and they didn't send him down, but they want to keep the option open, so they waived him again. Right. So it's kind of a mere formality. I mean, I'm not sure how the pay structure works. I mean, is he getting paid AHL money now? or No, um, because he's still on the NHL roster. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's nice of him. And, uh, does he have a two-way contract? I don't know. I have to look that up. But I do too. You know, there's no way he does. I don't think he does either, but it's possible. Um, but the, the idea that you just wave somebody and then not play them or send them down. I mean, that's, they did that with Gormley earlier in the year. They did. Until he eventually was finally sent to San Antonio. Right. Which, uh, somebody like Gormley should be playing. I'm not sure if he still factors in the Avalanche's long-term plans, but, uh, you know, he's still a young guy. He might have something to work on. I'm just not sure what you do with Gannon right now. I'm not sure what you're doing with Bonnerchuk in the starting lineup. Yeah. Nate Gannon is not on a two-way deal, but he only makes 800000 It's pretty inconsequential. Right. Um, Bonnerchuk makes even less, but he does have a two-way deal. He's at 6500000 Are they going to really hang on to him for the rest of the season? I guess. I mean, it, obviously, the you are now in a window in which you could cut him again, right? Because uh-huh. after you claim somebody, you have to keep him on your team for a certain amount of time. Yeah, 30 they days. could try to give him back, get your contract spot back. It's been know. 30 days since he's been picked up. He can be waived. Um, maybe they're trying to do the pump and dump and... Showcase him a little bit? Yeah, and then flip him for even a sixth because really what you're trying to do is just get rid of a contract uh, yes not we don't trade him for a player please right the abs have 50 contracts and yeah uh, it's really limited what they'll be able to do with their roster before the trade deadline i mean this is a team that probably could do something minor uh, if they had the roster flexibility and right now, they, you can't trade a draft pick for a player because you just simply don't have room for it. Exactly. And that's been what we've complained about all season long with the 50 contract situation, especially to pick it up, or to for the guy you pick up as number 50 to be Andrew Bodnarchuk. Like, really? Right. Him? And that early, too. I mean, doing it before the trade deadline, I mean... The whole thing is just goofy. I, I'd love to hear the team's reflection on that one day when they're opening up and being honest about their roster moves. I, I can't see how this isn't a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you've got you've added to a position of strength, which is defensemen who are not good. Right. I, 
and then then they're playing him. I mean, I I, I don't see Zach Redman as a great NHL hockey player, but I still think he's better than Bodnar Chuck. I would take Redman over Bodnar Chuck ten times out of ten. Yeah. And you know, Redmond's an unrestricted free agent this year. And uh, I think they're going to let him walk, and I think that's unfortunate because I think he's a good seventh defenseman who probably should get occasional opportunities. I don't see him getting more than a low pick or an AHL deal if he got traded. Um, I also, I'd... I mean, I doubt anyone would give him a pick for an expiring Zach Redmond contract, but maybe an AHL deal for another pending free agent. Well, yeah, I mean, but other teams need uh, contracts to expire, too, to open up space. That's so also true. Sometimes you use that as a strategy. We just saw that this week with the Dion Phaneuf deal. Right. And it's very common in basketball, for instance, where an expiring contract is, like, the world's greatest thing because it gives you flexibility, uh, you know, opens up salary cap room. Right. And, of course, basketball's cap works a little bit different than the NHL's, but... A little bit soft cap. Yeah, but it's the same still concept, but... Can you believe Ottawa, of all teams, took on Dion Phaneuf's whole contract? I cannot. I'm not sure what they're thinking there either. But I mean, leadership, he helps them it, right now. He does. Uh, unfortunately, there's contract term beyond right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that just, it just shocks me because, I mean, that's, a, that's an internal cap team who took on a really big contract. And yes, as the contract goes on, the salary is less than the AAV, which maybe I mean that's that may have been a plus for them, but mm-hmm. still, it, ew. Something we may underestimate is popularity among the fan base. Uh, you know, maybe it's a bigger deal in Canada than we know here. He catches a lot of hell for because he's the captain of a bad team. Yep. You know what? He looked pretty good the other night against the Avalanche. So. You know, he's playing with Carlson on the power play. I mean, that looks pretty good. Yeah, that's a good way to improve your numbers in a hurry. (laughs) Yeah. Carlson tends to do that to other hockey players. But apparently, uh, Phaneuf's uh, no-trade list, like he had those 10 teams he could be traded to, and they were like, the good teams and Ottawa. Wow. Well, um, apparently that was a prime destination for him. Well, I mean, it's surely they're Stand not going to trade you in division, right? To your hated Ottawa rival, right? Surely <laughs> not. Well, how'd you like the return on that trade for Maple Leafs? Uh, it's a bunch of junk that's going to expire in the next couple of years. Yeah. So you're pretty much just dumping a contract. Yep. Yeah. And Matt Fratton goes to Ottawa and is immediately loaned back to the Marlies. <laughs> <laughs> It's just such well, a silly deal all around. It made me laugh for two days. Yep. But well, speaking of news from around the league, um, there's some moves that maybe affect the Avalanche more than that one, even though we did immediately see Dion with the Senators. Um, last night, the Minnesota Wild finally decided enough was enough and uh, fired Mike Yo, head coach Mike Yo. Lost uh, 13 of 14 games. That's a poor stretch. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so this has kind of been brewing a little bit, even leading up to this year. I mean, this team has to succeed right now. I mean, their players are of a, that age where they need to be winning right now before they get too old and too expensive. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, 
We've also got Parise and Suter saying that they don't really know what's going on. Something has to change. They don't know what. They just have no confidence. You've got healthy scratching some of your better players. That's when you know that a guy's desperate to try to make something happen. It is. I mean, by all means, be desperate when your team is flailing around like that. I mean, that's just nothing was working. And it's put them out of playoff contention. And that's pretty surprising considering where they were in November and December. Parise's 30, or Parise, I guess it is now. He's uh, he's 31, and he's signed for another nine years. <laughs> and Suter's 31, and he's also signed for another nine years. <sighs> I mean, if that team doesn't win, and those have no move clauses, those are, I mean, that team has to do something really soon, or ouch. Right. I mean, they're expensive. You don't have big-name prospects coming up through that system that are going to be impact players in the next couple of years. Not really. That we can foresee. Um, obviously, there could be a surprise there, but I, I just think Minnesota is working its way down the division. Yeah, I mean, every t- pretty much every team gets that little bump when they get a new coach, and... Things just yeah. work a little bit differently. You get a little bit of hope. You start playing a little bit better and pick a few wins up. Um, but I don't know that a coach is the problem here. It's not. Uh, there's a little bit of a talent gap at certain positions that, you know, most uh, mediocre teams have. I mean, Avalanche being one of them. Yeah. Uh, they just are not deep enough in their scoring. Um the Wild just don't have a great goalie, even though they may have been fooled into thinking Dubnik was one last year. The difference between uh, Minnesota and Colorado on that front is that Minnesota's top def- or top forwards are 31, 32, 32, 33. They're a little older. <laughs> <laughs> By about 10 years, right? Yeah, I mean, who are... Who are the good, young, wild forwards? Uh, Granlund? Meterider? Yeah. Halla? Oh. I'm even looking at... Like, I thought Pominville was like seven years younger than he is. Right? <laughs> I, I was convinced he was, and I, I looked at his age one day. I'm like, yeah. wait. Their, their defense is in good shape on the age front. I mean, they're, they've got Scandella, Spurgeon, and Brodine all at 26 or younger. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the strength of that team no matter what. But And Matt Dumba is not bad either. No. But even a team like Nashville realizes that you're not going to win with just defense. Pucks have to go in the net. Right. And top sport can't be on your blue line. They were you, in basically this same situation when they started trading for guys like James Neal and uh, Philip Forsberg mm-hmm. and picking up, you know, a new coach that, Kind of looks at things a little bit differently than Trotz does. And this year, Ryan Johansson. And Ryan Johansson. Which, I mean, that isn't to say that Trotz isn't a great coach. With different weapons, he's having a hell of a season in Washington. He really is. But that team already had the offense. (laughs) Yeah. Nashville never really did. And so Minnesota's really close to being in a similar situation. Right. I just think winning teams in this league need at least a top line to go along with a good defense. I mean, it, it just doesn't work any other way. So, I mean, 
So what I mean, do we think that Minnesota will be a threat to make the playoffs this season? Yes, they have to because the two teams in front of them are also flawed, uh, which are the Avalanche and the Predators. And as we've seen with the Avalanche, they can go, they can oscillate back and forth from greatness to sheer stupidity in a mere game, uh, stretches of games too. So you really can't count them out unless you're convinced the Avalanche are going to consistently be good for the rest of the season. I think it's tough to predict. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely tough to predict. I think that Nashville is going to finish better than they are now. I think so, too. I don't, I don't know if they pass St. Louis, necessarily. Uh, no, I don't think that happens. Um, I think they pass the Avalanche. Yeah, I think Nashville are a wild card team. It's going to be whether it's Colorado this week's in or Minnesota. Right. And after the start that Minnesota... No. After the start that Nashville got off to. Not what we expected. Not quite. It's, uh, you know, have us play the wild a few more times. Twice, it looks like. Yeah, don't remind us. I know. It's tough. But um, it's going to be big, big games. Mm-hmm. Huge. And honestly, with uh, the way that Yo coached that team to play, they matched up very well against the Avalanche. So maybe a new their their interim coaches their AHL head from Iowa. Hopefully th- he will have them play in a way that the Avalanche match up better against. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a better overall, but maybe it won't be so goddamn painful to play that team anymore. Time will tell. Super Tuesday, March 1st. We'll be uh, traveling to Minnesota. That's two weeks. Yeah. Um, Nashville are, after, as of right now, they're one point back. I don't know if they play today or not. Let me see the schedule here. It doesn't look like it. Nope. No Nashville today. So by the time this podcast launches, for sure, Colorado are one point up on Nashville who do have three chances to make that point up. They have three there are three games left to catch Colorado who have played fifty nine more than anybody except Chicago. Um, and then Minnesota are four games back to catch up six points. So that's a little bit tougher on them. Nashville are in a pretty decent spot to leapfrog Colorado. Yep. It'll be uh, fun down the stretch. I mean, I, of everything that's happened this year, I'm very appreciative to have good, meaningful hockey this time of year. Yeah. I, I'm still amazed that there's any chance at all after the start this season had. Absolutely. I mean, people were ready to burn the place down. <laughs> I was one of them. I, yeah. I was saying no playoffs, no way, no sir. And then Minnesota... Okay, now there's a spot open, because Winnipeg's not doing it. Nope. But, you know, give credit to the Avalanche, too. They've figured out a way to get wins on the board. They did it for a long stretch of time. Yeah, they won a whole bunch of one-goal games. Which is not statistically likely. No. uh, Unless your goalie is Semyon Varlamov. (laughs) Even so. Even so. Yeah, one-goal games, especially 
if they go to overtime are a little bit coin flippy. One goal, one goal games in regulation, if you include empty net games, are kind of repeatable. Not very. Um, it's... But I don't remember who it was that did the work on that to actually go in and dig out the empty net games. Um, but they, they showed that it was kind of repeatable. <laughs> like, very low correlation, but it is there. Well, again, I've mentioned it twice already. The team is flawed, and I'm really happy they're playing for a playoff spot. Yeah. And I, I think they're doing it despite some system quirks i think their talents prevailing and if the avalanche just simply have more top end talent on their roster than some of these teams they're competing with matt duchene's been on fire um really has even though mckinnon can't seem to find the net very often he's been playing pretty well yep um you know it's just been grigorenko back up with duchene has been playing fantastic offensively and you know what i think Gabriel landeskog has been playing some of his best hockey recently. Uh, he's finally starting to look a little bit healthy, and I say that as he gets drilled in the knee with a puck today. But God damn. <laughs> uh, I thought his lower leg was just going to get ripped off his body when that shot caught him. Yeah, I've been watching too many Tarantino movies or something. Maybe, but uh, it was just like, that was a bullet. But he's been great. I mean, he's so strong on the puck. He's carrying it up ice well. Um, he's starting to utilize the middle of the ice which I think has been really effective for him. He's getting through the neutral zone with possession, and that's doing wonders for his line because that's not really Blake Como or Carl Soderberg's game. Right. Oh, he's the Landeskog that we came to know in his first couple of seasons with us. Different player. Shoots the puck from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Hits everybody. Right. See thing, hit thing. Yeah. Catch puck, shoot puck. Today we saw a glimpse of see thing, hit thing, Landeskog. His, that penalty kill shift, uh-huh. where, where he was like, hi, Ristolainen, I see that you have this puck, I want it. Oh, I lost my stick, that's too bad, I'm still going to have this puck. <laughs> I mean, that was that was fantastic, that was what we need from him. It is. You know, we, we're seeing a mature version of that, though. I mean, it's, the first year, I mean, I don't want to call it reckless, but it, it was certainly done with reckless abandon i think is the term i'd use yeah hence all the interference penalties right <laughs> a lot of goalie interferences yeah it was fun i mean uh, I, his game definitely changed after that brad stewart induced concussion i don't disagree and i think it's smart i, I think you have to play a little bit more safely in order to last in this league but i think we're seeing him play his physicality without being reckless and without having to throw these monster hits at everybody that send everyone back at him right but you know uh, he's been playing good hockey that second line has been consistently the best on the avalanche well every season for some reason but uh it especially this year second line's been really good yeah i i like we said at the top of the show he works really well with soderberg um, but as we continue looking at the playoff picture, as of right now, Colorado would match up with Los Angeles, um, who are eight points back of Dallas for the Western Conference regular season trophy. Um, but if, as expected, Nashville would s- kind of sit back up into that spot, 
where Colorado are. That would put them against Dallas for a first round series. You gotta like that, don't you? If Colorado play well for once against Dallas, it'd be so much fun. Well, Dallas is terrified of him, though. They're terrified of Simeon Varlamov. Right. Well, I, still, I, I think you have to like that matchup, especially over, you know, seven-game series, uh, much more than Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a different sort of beast. That's, that's kind of a Kings in three kind of series. Right. Um, this, this dog behind me is dreaming and hiccuping in her sleep. That's what that chirping noise is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think the Avs want any part of Los Angeles. No, I don't. I don't think it goes. I think it goes without saying that they don't want any part of Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a top possession team against the worst possession team. They're just, you know, diametrically opposed. Yeah, and uh, we mentioned that Minnesota are four games back with six points to make up. Arizona's in the exact same spot. They've played 55 and they've got 56 points. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still easy to write that team off, but you, anything could still happen. Yeah, for the first time all season, the Pacific Division is threatening to have one of the wildcard spots, which we haven't seen yet. Yeah. I mean, it's within striking distance. Vancouver also 55 games, 56 points. Mm-hmm. And... Boy, Anaheim really turned it on, didn't they? Yeah, well, you know, regression. Yeah, I mean... Positive regression to the mean. Most of us kind of figured this was eventually going to happen, and thank goodness for them that they didn't fire Bruce Boudreaux. Right. I mean, it's all Francois Beauchemin's fault. They missed him. (laughs) It was an adjustment. They couldn't figure out how to score goals without Francois Beauchemin. Well, he he was telling them to do it. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Corey Perry, score. All right. Shoot! <laughs> Anaheim doesn't actually have a shoot guy in the stands. That was actually Boschman this whole time. <laughs> uh, one shoot guy, huh? Yeah, Man. that would be nice. <laughs> well, the Avalanche need at least a couple of those. Sometimes they do. I would trade one shoot guy for one glass banger guy any day of the week. Yep. Glassbanger guy can go the hell away. So, playoffs are definitely not definite, um, especially at any, at any point in February, but Colorado are positioned to still have a chance to cling on for dear life to a wildcard spot. They do. And the way that it looks right now, um, Dallas being tied for points with Chicago with three games in hand, I would much rather Colorado face them for a seven-game series than Los Angeles, who San Jose is not going to catch Los Angeles. And Los Angeles isn't going to catch Dallas or Chicago. And the world needs another Chicago beatdown of St. Louis in the playoffs. It really does. St. Louis may just pack up and move after that. (laughs) I mean, what's left? You know what, Taves? I'm done with you. Just, yeah. just, we're going to the East. I think the entire city might pack up and move. <laughs> Lost their football team. Yeah, to uh, one, one Stan Kroenke moving, uh, moving a franchise. Imagine that. <laughs> well, I don't want to imagine it, so don't make me. Oh, you don't have to. He's doing it right now. Oh. I don't want him to move any of his other franchises going to be the good old L.A. Rams again. Yep. Oh, what? 
Not like he's going to move Arsenal. <laughs> He'd be the uh, first uh, EPL owner to move one of the teams to the States. How about that? That would Moves be hilarious. Arsenal to, like, Georgia. <laughs> All right, Atlanta. I hear you're a terrible sports market. <laughs> How do you do with EPL? Yeah. Let's try that. I, I think we'd probably have to go to war with the British again, wouldn't we? Maybe. <laughs> no. Now, hang on a minute. This is this is our franchise. <laughs> and this is our game, and you can't have it. Well, I'm not sure if I'm of draftable age anymore, so why the hell not? Oh, look, England, this, this is what American popular culture does. We take other people's things, and we reappropriate them into something crappy, and then we sell it. No. No. Or it can be The Office, or what, The Voice. What else we got? Oh, we could go down the list, but I don't yeah. really want to. Neither. <laughs> um, what I'd much rather do is talk about the next couple of weeks because as hefty as the schedule has been for the last month and a half, it's about to spend two weeks being extremely light. It this, is. This week we have three games to tell you about, and the following week we'll have two games to tell you about. On Wednesday, Colorado play the Montreal Canadiens at home. That's a team that has been famously struggling mightily. Um, which is an early start. That's a 6 o'clock mountain start. I imagine that that's for uh, Canadian television. It's got to be. Because that's an altitude game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Saturday, Colorado travel to the great blinking cold northwest to play the Edmonton Oilers. That's an 8 o'clock mountain start on altitude and on CBC. So that's a hockey night in Canada game. And then on Sunday, they turn around and travel to Vancouver for another matchup with the Canucks. 8 o'clock mountain, altitude, and Sportsnet. Hopefully for revenge. Hopefully for revenge. You hate to see a back-to-back with travel, but when it's only your third game in a week, it's not too bad. Yeah. We're going to get our uh, first live look against uh, you-know-who with the Oilers, too. Oh, uh, Taylor Hall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no? Not, not him? No, no. Uh, Eberly? Uh, Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse, that's it. Okay. Um, no, that's not it either. Is it um, some kid? I don't know. Speaking of Darnell Nurse, did any anybody else uh, read the Oilers blog when they were trying to trade us Nurse for Tyson Berry? No, but I would probably do that. Yeah, that was an interesting article. I, I rebutted it for him. But, uh, you know, I, it's tough. They're trying to unload bad defensemen for Tyson Berry, and this guy's like, no, you know, our most tradable asset right now is probably Nurse. So we use that if we want good defensemen right now. There's no way that Darnell Nurse is a touchable player right now. There's no way. That's what I was saying, too. It's just not how you want to build that team. Barry's about to get expensive here, and Nurse is going to be a controllable asset for a long time. And looks to be a damn good one. Yeah, I mean, he's had struggles this year, but he's a rookie. They all do. Yeah, (laughs) and when he's on, he has flashes of, you know, Drew Doughty in him. Right, you don't trade a top draft pick defenseman after his first season under really any circumstance. No. Unless it's Eric Johnson and he tears his knee up on a golf cart. (laughs) Maybe. Then maybe. Then you think about it. 
do you think St. Louis regrets that trade at all? Do you think they'd rather have Eric Johnson right now than Shattenkirk? You know, I don't think that. I think that's one of those rare trades where nobody loses. Yeah. I think that's a team where, or a trade where both teams got better. It did. Because I you know, don't. But if they lose Shattenkirk this year, you know, the Avalanche aren't losing Eric Johnson. No. What if. Uh, is Shattenkirk a UFA? Is he? Or are they just trading him for somebody? Oh, it's one of those situations. Yeah. Uh, well, Fanager's going to tell us, isn't it? It is. As soon as I can find St. Louis in this little bunch of icons. Yeah, it's one of the blue ones. Why is this so hard? There it is. <laughs> He's not UFA. He's UFA after next year. Next year, okay. So that's not... You don't want him going into his final year with an expiring contract. Not that type of player. No, but he'll be a UFA for his 29-year-old season. That's that's make a big mistake time. It is. Unless you're sure of what you got. Because that, that's a player that I think most fans don't realize that he's not a super young guy anymore. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not old at 27, but he's 27. And when his deal expires, he'll be turning 29. And that's when you pay a guy for six years when he's only good for three more. Mm-hmm. Possibly. He may be good for eight more. I don't know. But that's, that's when those mistakes get made, is that almost 30 period. Yeah, and I, you know, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens with the cap. I've heard rumors it's probably going down next year, but it also might not. I mean, <laughs> we might see some players be making some money in the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned to see the cap go down at all. I mean, the Canadian dollar is, like, bad again, so. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, just compare it to Tyson Berry, who's going to get paid this offseason season. You know, very similar type of player, very offensively focused. Uh, he's, what, 24? So it's a different deal. I mean, he's going to make a six-year contract and be 30. You know, that's pretty much where Shattenkirk's going to be starting at. Yeah. But at any rate, uh, Colorado don't play St. Louis again for, like, a month and a half. So. Yep. Yeah. Off the radar. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. I care about beating Montreal on Wednesday. That is a must and should win game right there. Still no carry price, therefore beatable. Um, and it, honestly, it's it's the goaltending. Yeah. After, the goaltending was such a difference for them that all of a sudden that they just lost all their momentum and were like, well, hell, let's just lose games now. Uh, I mean, we sell them Red Obera. Can we do that? I want to think you said that last week. <laughs> I'm going to keep harping on it. And, and I'm going to keep saying my same response, which is when his ankle's better. Ugh. How so, is it that bad? It's a very winnable game in Montreal. It's a ver- or against Montreal. It's a very winnable game in Edmonton, and it's a very winnable game in Vancouver. <sighs> we doing predictions right now? Yeah. Should. Yeah. Um, I think the Avalanche win two of these three games. Fair. Do you want to say which two? Oh, man. Um, I think they beat the Oilers. I think they beat the Canucks. 
You got that same feeling about the backup curse don't, as I do, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they'd probably lose a close one to the Canadians because it's a home game, and that's just what the Avalanche are doing this year. Yeah. Yeah, well. That could happen, or something else could happen. Who knows? I'm... I really think as they start getting, you know, actual a couple of days off together here, we're going to see the play pick up pretty pretty quickly. I think that this could be a four to five point week myself. Yeah. That'd be fun. If we see five points, that's a big success. Because I just really feel like we're seeing guys that are gassed and nursing minor injuries that aren't quite injury injuries, but they're banged up. Yep. And you, you see that when they're chasing the puck around in the defensive zone again for a long time and mm -hmm. just can't get it out. When they finally do touch, there's like, thank God, fling, up, oh, icing. Crap. <laughs> now I'm still on the ice. Yep. Then looking a little further ahead, uh, we've got that uh, one outdoor game people are talking about coming up. That's getting close. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't I heard anything that about that. They're playing outside. Yeah, in a, in a baseball stadium? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Baseball stadium games. Not something I could afford to make it to this year. I really wanted to. Hopefully everyone that's got their tickets is going to have a blast. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Outdoor games are allegedly incredible in person. I've only ever seen the eh TV product, but... You know what? Um, I got to see it the other day. Um, Media Access got to take some photos. Nice. Uh, it's cool. I mean, it, it looks better in person than it does in any photograph. I mean, it's just uh, it's closer and more intimate than I thought it could be. Well, you're not. You probably didn't have Media Access at the Rock Pile, so. No, uh, I got right down in there. There's a like a little photo gallery I put up on Mile Hockey if anybody wants to check it out. Definitely go do that. Um, go have a look at what we're, what we got in store, um, two weeks from yesterday. Big yep. game against, uh, against some crappy team. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, let's just hope they stay focused and that's not like a bigger deal than it needs to be. If they play hockey then I think that's a winnable game. So, yeah, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so if you're in the area, don't miss it. If you've got travel plans, safe trip. Um, hopefully everything goes well. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have some fun articles coming out next week, too. We've got uh, yeah, SB Nation's baseball blog is uh, contributing some articles to our site about the stadium and just some fun things. We're swapping some things back and forth just for fun because it is fun. And uh, I don't know. We're just going to have a good time with it, writing about it. Eh, sports coverage should be fun. People too serious. Yep, not me. You're covering a game, dudes. Take your tie off. Yep, so uh, I think tonight I will be writing if uh, the Colorado Avalanche were Colorado Rockies, who would they be? So <laughs> look forward to that. Yeah, as a non-baseball follower, I just can wish you luck. Yeah. Yeah, I like both. I think they're fun. So look for that on Purple Row as well. Yeah, cross-posting is always a good idea when there's situations like this. So have fun with all that. Um, this week, hopefully Colorado can get some uh, 
some points where they definitely could could uh, could use them against Canadian teams. All the Canadian teams beat them. Do you follow ineffective math on Twitter at all? Actually, you know, I may have just followed him like this week. He's been posting what he calls the National Panic Index, which is basically <laughs> the, the chance of no Canadian teams making the playoffs. Oof. Oof. You know, uh, my Lie Hockey's Twitter follows like 4,000 people, so that stuff gets buried a little bit. Yeah. A better way to do that. Get him on a list. Yeah, he's uh, he's fun, though. He some some really good visualizations, some incomprehensible visualizations, and some yeah. fun ones like that. Yeah, speaking of people who don't take sports so seriously. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, um, Wednesday is the next next game. That's against Montreal. Saturday against Edmonton, and Sunday against Vancouver. Yep. Looking forward to it. You've predicted two road wins. I've predicted two and a half wins. Cool. I could I could actually see that game on Wednesday being like really really frustrating but hopefully not <laughs> well well whether it is or isn't uh you guys know you can find out here um just you know keep your eye out for what's going on with uh with the team and with everything in general you know you can keep up with abs news and updates at milehighhockey.com and definitely keep an eye on the site this week as ryan and others start previewing the uh, big old stadium series game next week against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Mile High Hockey and at Facebook.com slash Mile High Hockey. You can keep an eye on the podcast at SoundCloud.com slash Mile High Hockey Podcast and MixCloud.com slash Mile High Hockey Podcast. And you can find us on iTunes where you can subscribe and get the, the uh, new episodes downloaded automatically every week as soon as they're ready. It's a little bit before the site posts the actual player, so... You get a little bit earlier. At, the, at any rate, keep your head up and get to the dirty areas, and we will see you next week. Excuse me, is that a television in your backpack? No, How could you a, tell? It's a really big iPad. The world's biggest iPad. The biggest iPad. Uh, that, that, I don't have anything else to follow that.